This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Thank you, Kevin. Kevin's got his QAnon sweatshirt on. That is, no, that's Q something. Maybe, who is it? QAnon or? That would be my uh, alma mater, Quinnipiac University, oh. where most of the polls come from these days. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But right now, we are very privileged to have... Ay, ay, ay. Professor, law professor Aaron Tang from UC Davis. As I mentioned earlier, former law clerk to Justice Sonia Sotomayor and a former eighth grade teacher, U.S. history at a charter school in Missouri. Welcome, Professor. How are you? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. I read uh, your op-ed in the L.A. Times. I was prepared to have a knee-jerk reaction to it. And I found myself agreeing with a lot of the things that you said, frankly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So so I wanted to talk with you about it. Um, I guess we're pretty much on, on the same page thinking that the ruling from the Supreme Court is going to end affirmative action as we know it. That seems to be the, at least what most people believe will happen. Yeah, right? that's, my read on, that's my read on what's going to happen. I agree with that. Okay, now you said the equity folks, who I tend to disagree with a lot, ought to just go big. Let's let's stop tinkering around the edges with this problem and go big. And that's caught my in, my my uh, interest. You said one of the things that should happen is that they ought to colleges ought to get rid of this legacy business, this legacy boost. They should provide greater preference to applicants from low income backgrounds in light of the strong correlation between race and wealth. Can you explain what you think people ought to do here once affirmative action is ended, if it ends? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think there are two parts about the response. The going big part, actually, we didn't really touch on yet. The the going big part for me is trying to address the root cause of the problem to me. I mean, at the point at which you're giving preference to college applicants, you're already you're putting a Band-Aid on a bigger problem with inequality, which is inequality of educational opportunity, K-12 education in America for poor kids and kids of color. We have two, we have two different school systems in America, a school system that you know affluent folks, families can send their kids to nice public schools or private schools, and people without means, often people of color, but often you know white folks too, um, can't access that. So that's the big go big, and we can talk about that. But I agree that we should also – fixed admissions systems, higher education admission systems, because there are some things that schools do that are just uh, indefensible that, you know, you and I, even on different ends of the political spectrum, ought to be able to agree on. And one of these things is the preference that schools give to legacies, people whose parents happen to have gone to Harvard or UNC, which has no bearing on whether they, you know, the 17 or 18 year old kid deserves to get there or not. So we should take that out of the out of the equation for sure. Well, going big. Why do why let's talk about going big. You you have introduced a concept called teacher choice. And can you that's one of the going big things that I absolutely yeah. fell in love with on first read. Ex, can you explain okay. to this audience what teacher choice is and why yeah. it's necessary? 
You bet. Right. So the idea is we have this unequal public education system. And, you know, for a long time, progressives, liberals have been trying to fix it by, you know, doing things that are frankly really unpopular by forcing busing for, you know, suburban folks, white families to bus into inner city public schools um, that, um, you know, I I think for understandable reasons, um, you know, affluent families may have bought a home and moved to a neighborhood with an expectation about the kind of schools their kids are going to go to. So it's really hard to try and disrupt that. So teacher's choice is the idea that says, what really makes a school, what makes an education meaningful for kids is the quality of the teacher in their classroom. Any parent knows if you have a good teacher in your child's classroom, they're learning. If you have a bad teacher, it's a, it's a, it's a struggle day in, day out. And so the problem, a huge part of the problem in America is that poor kids in general, especially kids of color, Latino and black kids, have access to way lower performing teachers for all sorts of reasons. You know, low, uh, uh, urban school districts often can't afford to pay as high salaries. Working conditions are harder. And so my suggestion is we ought to give a, a bonus. We ought to pay a $20,000 bonus. There's a study that used that number. It was very effective. Uh, giving choice, giving a choice to high-performing teachers if they want to, to leave the school district that they're in to go teach in a school that serves disadvantaged students. They can make this bonus year in, year out. Um, and when you take these teachers who are getting a year and a half worth of math reading games in a, in, a, in a single calendar year and you put them in school districts serving disadvantaged students, it's, you know, surprise. The poor kids and kids of color learn just as well as anybody else with great teachers. Um, so if we can level that kind of playing field through choice rather through, than through, you know, forcing parents to move their kids and doing things that are, you know, hard on them. But give, just giving choice to teachers. Teachers leave. They move every year. They retire. So parents, you know, shouldn't be as affected by that kind of a, a change. Um, that is a way to get strike at the sort of the root problem in inequality in, in our public education system. Well, there is another problem that I that was not addressed, and I'd just like to bring that up with you, but, and that's the, these schools in some of these neighborhoods. Now, you, I, I'm not going to tell you any surprise because you taught, and so you know what goes on in the schools. You know the behavior problems that happen in cert, where it's culturally acceptable in some neighborhoods. Professor, I find it horribly upsetting that we accept the level of failure in schools. New York has had over school in our school districts in New York, there are over 240 some odd failing schools year after year after year, decade after decade. We accept this. This is just the way it is. And that's unacceptable. The fact that we accept the unacceptable is 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 a horrible thing that is that is that has that cycle has to be broken. I would also suggest to you, by the way, that when when you talked earlier about this idea of of the busing and all of that, it's also insulting to me to a lot of black families and and Hispanic families. Just like, oh, look, if you ship some white kids in, maybe the whiteness will rub off on the black kids and they'll learn. (laughs) I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, it's 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 insulting. But 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 there is a difference in parenting. And I don't know whether you've addressed that one or not, so let me just run this by you. Uh, I used to visit a friend of mine up in Mount Kisco when her kids were in school. On Mm -hmm. open school night, they had to bring out the whole police force because traffic was so heavy. At -hmm. the same time, you contrast that to what happens in these other neighborhoods, in many other neighborhoods. For instance, back when I was working with Russell Limbaugh, he cited something on the show that I've never forgotten. There was a citywide a parent-teacher meeting in Washington, D.C. It was even catered so because they figured the parents would come after 
after school. They wouldn't have time to get something to eat. They catered it. Long story short, more reporters showed up than parents. If parents don't give a damn about their own kids and their own kids' education, how are we going to make any real substantial change in the failing, in in the number of kids that are failing in schools? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't disagree that, of course, children are influenced. The amount that students learn is influenced hugely, not just by what happens in school, but what happens outside of school. There's no question about that. And there's no question that parental involvement and engagement and expectations have a, a huge role to play. I will say that my own experience teaching at a charter school in inner city St. Louis, that um, the parents were not the problem. We had lots of active parents, parents who, you know, work in two or three jobs and yet still finding ways to come in for conferences, to talk on the phone with me, ways that they can get their student, uh, their child engaged. Not true for everybody, right? So for some of those stories, I also have the story of, you know, a memory of a student being like, I was at the hotel at the casino at the Indian reservation all weekend because my grandma was gambling all the time. So like, I, I get that. But I, I don't think White parents or affluent parents or suburban parents have a corner on good parenting. I think there are lots of great parents in low-income environments and urban neighborhoods. So I don't want to point the finger too much at the, at them. What I, I do want to say is that it's not either way, however big the influence of parents is, it's not the kid's fault. Kids aren't going to be able to do anything. You have a, a first Amen. grader or a second grader. Not their fault if their parents are deadbeat or a good parent, right? And they didn't do anything. They didn't earn it if their parent is good. So we can only control, I think, in this country by policy what we can control. We can control our schools, but we're not going to be out there policing and telling parents how to, you know, interact with their child or what they're, you know, we're not, they're not going to pass a law saying there's a parent reading mandate, as great as it might be. We can't do that. We can only do what we can do inside the schools. And so because when, in my experience in teaching, the biggest thing that changes how much students learn is the teacher in front of the classroom. And you can take a kid who's in a, te- in a classroom and their teacher is doing nothing, and that kid can be a behavior problem you talked about, right? But you put that kid in the same, you know, in the same, with other kids from the same classroom, and suddenly you put a different teacher in that room. I saw this with my own eyes. I remember Miss Hill, the social, I'm sorry, the, uh, the English teacher in seventh grade. It, she was a miracle worker. You put these kids who are like getting in fights and everything, and in her classroom, they were locked in. They're sitting, they're quiet, they're paying attention, they're learning. And it's because of the teacher. We just need more Miss Hilses, and that's, I think, something we all ought to be able to aspire for. I would like to. Uh, we time is up for today, but I want to stay in touch with you. I want to, um, you know, I've, I had an interesting talk with uh, the ex governor uh, uh, Patterson here at WABC, and he's another one. It sounds like you. Sounds like me. Look, I, I don't understand why this is not the number one issue in America. Period. We are failing too many children and consigning them to a life of unproductive unproductivity where they will never be able to compete and gain access to the American dream. If we are going to do it, have a fundamental change in the culture of America, it has to start in the schools. Yes, sir. Amen. <laughs> Professor, thank you. We'll be in touch because I want to I want to have you back when we have more time. And uh, okay. let's flesh this through. And I, I would like to see what can actually happen, not just talk. How do we make this a reality? How do we get this going and get energy behind this so that we can actually – I love your idea. I fell in love with it, teacher choice. It's a great idea. We need to work to make it happen. All right. Thank you for taking the time. Appreciate it. That's Professor – yes, Professor Aaron Tang. And by the way, as you said, we're on different sides of the political aisle, but he was willing to come on. I love Thank you. I appreciate that. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, back with you. WABC, right after this. <laughs> 